I hope you all are ready for this because, you know, we're in big trouble. Uh-oh. You got something? No, you got nothing. Yeah, you got something. Good. All right. Uh, we got back from D.C. and all the norovirus stuff was left there, so we didn't, we didn't bring it back. I'm not sure they would have let us on a plane. COVID rules are not in effect now, but I had people with me that would have scared the uh, people loading planes. <laughs> Y'all going to have to stay. <laughs> Please step out of the building. But uh, everybody's doing great now. Thanks for the prayers because definitely needed needed all that. And for the family there too. And they, everybody got it. I didn't get it, but everybody else got it. Don't know why that is. But uh, I guess so. I could haul stuff. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure what that was about. But we are back. So, uh, David, thanks for taking over and making things work and preaching the word and getting getting us for moving forward here in Colossians. So now we are Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 12, and I'm inviting you into a spiritual world that is unlike anything that exists on earth, and this will probably um, rock... Uh, much of what you know and believe in just moments, because we are headed into an area that is so unique, it is so holy, it is so different from the world we know, that it changes everything. And that was the intent. The world that we live in is broken, it is uh, under curse. It is separated from God, and people are suffering as a result of that, physically, emotionally, nationally. Families are broken, and the things that are floating around uh, that we assume is just normal are abnormal and not what God intended. So Jesus comes along and offers us something totally different, totally different, and to embrace this will rock us in ways that we don't even expect, because we hold on to what we know, we hold on to what's comfortable, we hold on to what we want, and we're going to start with the first verse in this session, or this section, and uh, it will begin the process. So, Colossians 2, verse 6, keep going. And now, just as, as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. You read that verse, and because you live where you live, when you lived, and when you first came to Christ, and whatever experience that you had, at that moment, when things became clear to you that you said, oh, there's something about Jesus, I think I need to go his direction. In that moment, that locks in. So you read this verse. You just read this verse and you go, just as you, in the 20th or 21st century, accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. 
Here's the problem. What you accepted was probably incorrect. Apart from Jesus died on the cross, Jesus, there's all of those things that happened that Jesus made happen. True. Ultimate truth. Where do we go sideways? We took it on with a bundle of other things. And we took it on with other beliefs. We took it on with, within our contemporary situation. And we think that in that moment, it is exactly what he's saying here is exactly what happened to me. Because I read that just as you, me, Randy, accepted Christ Jesus on that day. I need to continue following him that way. Really? What did I know of Christ? What do I know of Jesus? Yeshua. So this is Hebrew terms. Christ is the Greek version of of the Messiah. So Yeshua HaMashiach is the one we're talking about. What do I know of him? Now it's enough. I'm going to believe in Jesus He died for me, died for my sins, he rose from the dead. I've got to start. Is that enough to keep me living properly the rest of my life? Is that all? I just need to continue to follow him that way. Whatever was in my head at the end of the Billy Graham telecast or whatever was in my head at the moment I felt guilty about whatever I felt guilty about and I need to come to Jesus, that And now I'm going to follow him. I continue to do that. Or is there something else? Because back this up. This wasn't written to you in the 20th or 21st century, was it? This is written to the Colossians. First century. What was happening? What was it that God said to them that we need to know today? What was it that was unfolding for them that we need to know? Because that makes this a whole different thing. And it will turn our worlds upside down. Except Christ Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. We're coming from the, the scriptures of the Old Testament. What we call the Old Testament. But those are the words that they lived by. They didn't have a New Testament. So we're looking at something beyond that. Before that. Something that was unfolding. That was... God intervening in human time and space and revealing himself through his son who has just entered into human life. This is all within that first century. Entered into human life opposed to the systems that existed, opposed to the governments that were around, whether in Egypt or Rome or Mesopotamia, wherever it may be, he came in as something different than all of that. We have, on either side of me, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, other than singing songs and isn't that sweet, what does that mean to us? How seriously do we take it? How seriously do we take that Jesus, the God of old, the one who is the captain of the Lord's armies, 
How seriously do we take that he has come, that he has interacted with human beings, that he has given us the path to say, Here's your, this is the way to live life. What does it mean to have him as Lord? Because that's what it says. Well, I walk the path, I say the words, I say the prayer. Remember when I accepted Jesus, I just continue to do that. Do you know what Lord meant to a first century Roman citizen or a Greek or even a Hebrew in Israel? When the Lord spoke and said, jump, you said, how high? When he said, I need you to take care of the meal and you feed me, Jesus uses this in a parable. You work all day from the time the sun comes up. You do your work all day. Now it's nighttime. And I, as Lord, tell you to go fix a meal. And you feed me. You make sure all my guests are fed. You make sure that everything is all cleaned up. Everything's put back in order. Everybody's ready for bed. Then you are free. Now you're free to go eat. How do you see lordship? Is it more that he's a genie? The genie of genies? Not king of kings, not lord of lords. He says, go. When the Lord says go, you go. If you're told that you are supposed to watch a prisoner and the king says you're on guard duty, you fall asleep, you die. There's no question. There's no court. There's no I pat you on the head, you must have had a rough childhood. You die. How do you take... Jesus Christ as Lord, as truly in charge, so that you change the way you think, you function, the things that drive you. How many addictions do you have? Anybody addicted to their phones? You can't get off them? You can't get off them long enough to pay attention to the God of the universe? Because the phone is more important, isn't it? Other things are more important. I need, I need to spend more time just with entertainment. I need more time with my hobbies. I need more, you know, I deserve more time off. I need, I need more time to, to focus on everything that just really uh, bothers me. And if people would just do it my way. He's the Lord. Whose way do we do it? He's king. Whose way do we do it? So let me take you back. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. See the difference? If it's the way I came to this in the first place, then I walked a path. Somebody said, oh, great, fill out the card. Uh, however it happened for you in that moment, you go, and it's great because we've turned from following other things to turning to Jesus. It's an eternal destiny. This letter is not written about the eternal destiny. It's written about how do you live now to prepare for the life that's to come. So how do you do that? 
You do it by understanding that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the one. He says, forgive. How quick are you to do that? He says, don't be angry. How quick do you do that? Don't lust after your neighbor's wife. How quick are you to do that? He says, don't, don't be covetous of what others have. How quick are you to do that? Jesus Christ is Lord. Follow him. No, it's the concept in my head. It's how I felt about it. It's what I felt in that moment. It was the song they, they did just as I am. I felt it. And every time they play, I feel it. Play a little Amazing Grace, I'm there. Good. Is he Lord? Is he more than a tear? A flutter in your heart. Is he Lord that so much that everything in your life aligns with him? That's what he says. Continue to follow him. Keep going his way. His way. That's what Lord means. His way, not your way. Follow him with everything you got. Turn everything over to him. So when they said, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, that means you're not following the other gods. You're not following Caesar as Lord. You are turning away from all of that. And to do that in that culture, like it is for many in many cultures today, they decide to do that. They lose their jobs. They, they can't get an education. They may not be able to get housing. They are set aside in society. Families may kick them out, and they may kill them. All of those things are still unfolding, still happening, but it was happening in this day for these people. That's what was going on. So to say Jesus Christ is Lord was pretty close to a death penalty. How much are you willing to die for? If you're put under pressure and... Jesus is Lord, and you're going, I take this serious. And then somebody cuts you off as you drive into Tulsa on 412, and you just have this meltdown. Is Jesus Lord still? Or is he just Lord sometimes? Not really Lord, just fanciful. Because I still want him to be my genie, the genie of genies. He should make me feel good. He should make all the situations in my, in my life flow the way I think they should. Everything should be peaceful. Everything should smell good. Everything should taste great. Everything I need should just keep coming from the Father of lights. He's Lord. Tell me where he promised all those other things to you in this life. Just produce all the verses. I guarantee you, you'll find that he is Lord. That's what you'll find. He is Lord. He's not your genie. You do not command him. He is above all others. There is no comparison. Jesus is the Son of the Most High. He sits at the right hand of the Father with all authority in heaven and earth. Follow him. 
follow him. Rooted in Christ, verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You know what? This is imagery, right? This, you know, don't think you actually have any roots. So the image is of plant life that sinks down into the soil, gains nutrients and, and the liquids and all that it needs. So we're talking about getting those roots way down in there. But it's in Christ. He's, he is what all of this is happening in. So that image is fantastic. Let your lives be built on him. That's a whole different image. But you get the idea. We're, we're going deep. We have foundation, but we have roots that are growing down. It's alive. We're drawing our strength from him. Now, part of what's happening here is this is not, um, this is in the Christ. This is in the Messiah. This is in the person of Jesus. This is not an ism. Now, let me explain that. Our, we talked about the personal experience thing. And, it, and it, again, great that we come to Christ, and we, in whatever point in time that we do that, we turn our attention to him, and we say, yes, I want to follow him. I want him in my life. And now we're talking about this, this going down deep in him, and this is all about him. So my personal experience is one thing. I need to adjust it in terms of as I'm growing and understand more about him. But the isms are the parts that come with this. So here, here's the baggage. This is the spiritual, religious baggage that we bring. So, And some of you may understand some of this, and, and I'll try to break it down a little bit so everybody can get a piece of it. There are things like Calvinism, so Reformed theology that floats around. It's in many churches. It's a way of viewing the scriptures and seeing how God is at work over the centuries. And that started... Uh, back in the 1500s and has continued uh, influencing Western culture primarily to today. So you have an influence of an ism. There's Lutheranism. There's Pentecostalism. You probably heard of some of them. There's Arminianism was an an opposition to Calvinism, to to a certain approach to the scriptures. And... uh, we put in, the, in this package, this baggage that, that we have, that's the way now I come to Christ, and now I'm going to continue to follow him. Based on what? Based on the ism that I have. It's based on a system. A system that people have put together. A system of thinking. Now, it's, all of those things are helpful. They're helpful in the sense that they can help you kind of mentally get a grasp on how does the Bible work? How does it fit? How can I understand it? How do you put these pieces together and see the flow? Man, that's, that's okay. As long as we understand that it's, it's a system, that it's not him. So a lot of people think when you go deep and you go into Christ or you're going to really walk with him, what you're doing is you're, you're following your ism. 
Catholicism. Well, that's way different than Protestantism. See how many isms? These systems are all over the place. And you may know them and you may not. But even if you don't know the name of the ism, you probably follow one. You probably use that to think, this is how I know Christ. This is how, this is how I follow him. This is how I walk with Christ. It helps to know the ism. Because some of that needs to be peeled away. Some of it needs to be re-looked at. Hold on to the good. You know, eat the meat, spit out the bones, but just hold on to the parts that matter. Get rid of the other. Or just understand, you know, if you're going to be in Catholicism, okay, just understand. It only goes so far, and you have a whole bunch of extra baggage. That's understandable. It just goes with it. I want to be Baptist. Baptists have their baggage. You probably heard it in the news a lot recently. He said, there's baggage. Is it all bad? No. But it, that's not what we're talking about right here. So let's go back to Colossians. We're not talking about the isms. We're talking about him. You are to follow him. That's what we just saw in 6. Let your roots grow down into him. Not the system, not the ism, him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow. Huh. How many people have put their roots deep in him, and yet they probably had no idea that Yeshua HaMashiach is the way to say this. Just language. No idea. Often people think King James Version of the Bible is the translation that Paul used. Come on. 1611. Isms. They're all around us. And we are called to know him. To get close to him. To understand who he is. Who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To listen to him, to draw close to him, to get so ingrained in him that our lives are altered. No longer the same. That's what Paul's addressing. It is so significant. We do not remain the same. We don't come up with the same attitudes. We don't come up with the same words. We don't come up dealing with life the same way. Do hardships come? Do all, everything that comes to everybody else comes our way. It's supposed to. Because God wants to glorify himself in us by our going through the same crap everybody else is, but with him. And revealing him in and through all of it. So what if we act like them? Talk like them? Isn't that blue? Sings that song? I think so. Anyway. Apart from that, your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. So they're apparently taught about Jesus. There were no isms. There was no New Testament when this was put out. You've got to keep that in mind. One of the programs that the Navigators uh, Parachurch Ministry has put out, it's called the 2-7 program. 
two-year Bible study, Bible memory, prayer, develop. It's, it's a discipleship program, and it will help people just really get a grip on, on some basic theology and how to walk with Christ. It's, it's a heck of a good program. It's not what this is talking about, but it's, an, it's a way. And the reason I'm saying it's not what this is talking about is because they didn't have a New Testament. In the two seven, you're memorizing these verses that didn't exist at the time this was written, at the time this letter is put out. This is a time when these people have to connect with the living God, maybe having a copy of some Old Testament scrolls, maybe. They have been told about Jesus. They've been taught truths so radically different from the world that they lived in that they were risking their lives, their livelihood, and everything else involved with them. And they said, yes, we're going to follow Jesus no matter what because we recognize him to be the Lord. So we're going to go wherever he says. We're going to do it his way. And we're going to experience something so different. They're going to get the truth. You will grow strong in the truth. And this is really a kicker. You will overflow with thankfulness. And just think about that. When you got up this morning, were you overflowing with thankfulness? Like last week, like Wednesday, were you you overflowing with thankfulness? You know what overflow means? Because if you put on... The spaghetti and the water's boiling, and you know, and it starts coming up, and it comes over the sides, and you go, "That it's overflowing," because then you got to clean the stove, and all that stuff's happening. So, what is overflowing with thankfulness? What, is, what would that look like? Does that look like my life? Does that look like how I handle the pressures in my life? Is that how I handle relationships? My job, my checkbook. What is it to overflow with thankfulness? Because this is what it looks like when your roots are deep in Him. That's what it looks like. That flows out. That's what comes. You will. It's a maybe. There's a chance. 50 50. You will overflow with thankfulness. Because there's nothing like this. There's nothing like him. It's not the isms. It's not the systems. It's not the baggage. It's him. He's Lord. He's the one we grow into. Checking your roots. How do you let your roots grow down into him? How do you let your roots grow down into him. That means a relationship. That means there's a conversation. There's a connection. There is more to that relationship than just surface. Well, I know a few verses about him. I gave him like 10 minutes attention this week. No, this is so connected to the reality that the Son of God has come. And that he says, this is what the world is really about and what it really looks like. He's pulled back the veil. Remember when he dies on the cross, 
the veil to the Holy of Holies that divided the, the intimacy with God. Only the high priest could go see once a year. And Jesus dies on the cross, and that thing rips top to bottom. It's massive. It's cloth after cloth after cloth, and it tears. You go, huh. Probably, you know, just bad craftsmanship. No. It happened at that time for reason to say we now have access to the holy, that we can come into the presence of God, that that reality has just happened because Jesus changed everything. He's made it possible for us to have that relationship in such a way that we no longer are the same. Our roots go down into him. We connect with him. But we have to do something about that. We have to be willing to pursue him. We have to be willing to change the way we think. We have to be willing to let go of our habits and the stuff that clouds our minds. Because you can't overflow with thankfulness when you're all gutted with all the junk that's coming at your life or the stuff you hold on to. All the grudges. Isn't it fun holding on to grudges? Some people probably have them categorized. So, you know, I have a file cabinet. Just, you know, remember that time that so-and-so hurt me, said something and ticked me off. And, okay, let's go on to B. See that one. And we just review them over and over and over again. And he's saying, how about just put your roots down deep here in me. And let's change that. Have a new life, a new way of seeing. Put roots down into him. It does mean getting into the scriptures because we're going to learn about him. We need to get into the whole of the scriptures, the Old Testament, the New Testament. We need to read the things that are unfolding around the times when these were written so we understand what was happening with those people. Then we have to figure out from there, how does that apply to me? That makes a big difference. When we read 2.6, as normal people in the 20th, 21st centuries, we'd read that and go, oh, that's the way I accepted Christ. Now I follow him the way... In the same flaky way that I accepted him. I don't think that's what he's talking about. So let's roll this thing back to the first century and find out what did that mean? See how that works? Now we go forward. Okay. This is bigger than I thought. This is deeper than I thought. This is more mind-blowing than I thought. You let your roots go down deep into him. You've got to find out more about him. You've got to spend time with him. You've got to set aside whatever it is that is in the way. That means that's for us to get rid of that so that we can accept whatever he's bringing our way. So we can draw in the nutrients that we need, putting our roots deep into him so that we can now be changed, so that we can overflow with thankfulness. How do you build your lives on him? you got to keep doing what he said to do. You keep adding brick by brick everything that needs to be done. You find that out, you know, get in the scriptures, you interacting with other believers, people who are growing in Christ. Most of our time is spent with, you know, thinking in other ways, being influenced by influencers, books, the news, TV, 
uh, are entertained by our own thoughts that have never grown in Christ. They just keep cycling around like a little hamster in a wheel, doing the same thing over and over again. And we can't get to that overflowing thankfulness because we're stuck. Build your lives on Him. Brick by brick. Keep building, keep building, keep going, keep going His way. The result is growing faith and overflowing thankfulness. So, how is your faith and gratitude? How is your faith and gratitude? Is it overflowing? Is it just, meh, you know, I'm not really bothered today. Nothing's really bothering me. I'm cool. That's not overflowing, really. That's tepid water. This is talking about something so amazing. It's overflowing. And I don't know, if you like to be around grumpy people or like grateful, joyous people, you have to pick one. And if you like being with uh, people who are more thankful and overflowing, then be one of those. Because other people will like that too. Be zealous for God. Do you know what the word zealous, when you go back to the Greek, this will, you know, I'm sure you're loving the language part of this. That means boiling over. Zealous is bubbling. So here you got this whole... And I am so excited about him. The Lord, I am so excited. And it just bubbles over. It just becomes such a reality in us that every cell is screaming out, He is Lord. He's changed my life. Everything is coming up. Jesus. Because he's so ingrained in us. And our roots go so deep into him. Here are the traps from verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Now, how in the world could that be? Where would we find those? Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies. Now, in their day, there were people who taught, who actually did come village to village, city to city, and they taught. They were philosophers, and they were teaching, and they would teach a a variety of the Greek philosophies that were around in that time. And they, they were great speakers. They were entertaining. They would have a lot of followers on YouTube. People would be all over this. They were the guys who were influencing the culture at the time in the Greek cities. And Paul says, I'm not like one of them. Not here, but he says, I'm not like that. I don't come in here with those fancy words. I'm not coming in here to impress you with entertainment. I'm just coming here to tell you the truth and how you can know the one who created all things and has come to deliver us from the darkness of this world. I'm going to tell you about that. And people, some listened, some didn't. Because the philosophies and the slick presentations are so engaging that people just tend to go that direction. It's easier for people to cheer even if it lacks content. 
when they're entertained. So they go that way. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking. You find a lot of those in the universities, professors, the books that are being written. And it sounds great, but you spend a little time with it, and you go, man, this is just missing the mark. High-sounding, but again, it lacks the substance. It lacks the, the substance of Christ. And from the spiritual powers of this world. Remember those other gods who were trying to misdirect, mislead, to those other influences that are that affected them in the first century, and they, they named them, they worshipped them, they had temples for them. We don't do it the same way today. But remember, none of them die. We covered that earlier when we were looking at the, uh, the history of those gods. They don't die, not until Jesus comes back and deals with them. So they're still around. So if we aren't worshiping them directly, again, other countries, other groups of people do, but we don't because, you know, we're so highfalutin, we don't need that. Where are they? Are they gone? They don't die. They still want to drag humanity down. Are they doing that? Every day. Maybe they're hidden. Maybe they're hidden in the system around us. Maybe we have worshipped them and listen to them and they have gotten away with it because we did not put our roots deep into Christ. So we're influenced by empty philosophies, high-sounding teachings, and the spirits of this world. And he's writing this to believers, remember. This isn't for the non-believer. He's writing to the Christians in Colossae. We can be influenced by these things. He said, don't do that. Come to Christ. Lean on him. Don't get trapped by these things. Empty philosophies, human reasoning, dark spiritual influences. Don't let those take over and drag you down. So again, how's your gratitude? Are you overflowing with thankfulness? That's the indication that the roots are going deep. You're beginning to grow in him. Or do you tend to gripe complain, grumble, always dreaming about something different. And if so-and-so would just straighten up, my life would be awesome. Huh. Because that's not what this says. Does it? To us. Follow him. Put our roots down deep into him. And you will, not maybe, you will, Overflow with thankfulness. With who? Maybe the person you live with, your spouse, maybe your family, maybe your church, your community, your country. Who knows? But what if it's about me and I listen to human reasoning and highfalutin words from out there and I deserve better? Seriously? Do you want what you deserve because he can bring that you really want that one I do not think you do but if you want grace you want mercy 
You want a new way to live? Put your roots down deep into him. Don't listen to that stuff that's floating around everywhere you look. And if you don't know him well enough, then those dark spirits come along, whisper to you in the night, influence you in the day, direct you to this music or whatever grabs you in every moment, and you will think it's true. Or it's okay. It's acceptable. It's not hurting anything. Yeah, it is. Put your roots deep into him. Because if you're not overflowing with thankfulness about what he is and who he is and what he has done, you're listening to somebody else. And I just gave you a list. Ultimate. Verse 9, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. The fullness of God. That means everything that God is, is in him. In a human body, while he's living here. Does it mean you just suck all of God down into this one guy that's six feet tall? And you, No. But he is manifesting the fullness of God's character. His attributes are flowing through him. You can read the Gospels and get a feel. For, that's how God would react. That's how he does things. That's what he cares about. There's Jesus living in real world, real time, Interacting with people, and that's what that looks like. God, in his fullness, embodied. Because of him, verse 10, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You are complete. When you have that connection with him, he takes you, body and soul. And he's going to take you into eternity. And he's going to take you fully, not just parts of you, but you get to be complete, uh, accomplished. He's, he's going to work. His incredible touch will be on you. But he is head over every ruler and authority. Why would that matter? Remember, they're coming away from gods and a system of government based on those gods in the life that they're living. So you go to school, you're influenced by Zeus and Apollo, and you, you use money that has their images or Caesar's image. You are interacting with people and having holidays. They're all wrapped around all of these other things. So you've got rulers and authorities who are governors and kings and a Caesar over the empire, physical ones. And then there are the spiritual ones who are beyond that, unseen, influencing even those rulers, the physical rulers. And Jesus, just by being connected with him, we have a whole new way of living. We are complete by connecting with him, and he is head over all of it. Every ruler, every authority. He's allowing them to do what they do. He's going to hold them accountable for all of that, but there's some things that he's working out. He hasn't told us 
why he allows some of this to go on and go on as long as it does. But he is working his plan. He just says, put your roots down deep into him. That's our part. He is above it all. And he will one day deal with all of that. And we will rejoice when that day comes. But until then, we just keep looking to him. We just keep following him, which is what he started out with. Continue to follow him. Verses 11 and 12, with him, you are new. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. It takes us back to the... To, to his death and resurrection, and that God's power overwhelms the God of death, the, the powers of darkness, those who held uh, death as, as a means of frightening humanity. Because death was sufficient enough that people were so scared of dying that, that they would make deals with the devil. To, to avoid dying now or looking good. It just It's probably better to make a deal with, and so we call him the devil, but there's Hades, the god, the Greek god of the underworld. Where are these guys coming from? That's their mentality. There's a whole underworld issue, and when you die, that's, what, that's where you wind up. Who overcame... The God, Hades. Who overcame the gods of darkness and death? Jesus did. With what? His resurrection. Kicked him in the teeth. He rose from the dead. He changed it. So when he says, by the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead, this is not just, oh, isn't it nice Easter talk. This is power. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not, and he's, he's tying that in because the, the Jewish influence of the time and the whole circumcision issue, and he's going, but this is the one. Fine, keep doing that if you're Jewish, but here's the deal. There's a spiritual one, and that one, that one is a spiritual circumcision that takes away your sinful nature, changes the way you view the world, the things you are drawn to, those attitudes. Have you ever dealt with your bad attitude? Maybe you think you don't have one, but ask somebody near you. They probably noticed. That, he says, does not need to exist because he removes it. Well, I can't do that. You know, I really haven't changed that much. After all this time, I really haven't changed that much. Is that on him? Because it says he removes that. Then how do I keep it? I keep going back. I keep believing other things. I listen to other spirits. I just go back and grab it. He takes it away. I go get it. I really miss that. I really want to be just... An ugly individual right about now. So let me go get that. And I'm going to put that back on. Because he talks about removing the old and putting on the new clothes. And you know, and we're talking about baptism. 
That's like going into the water. You are immersed. All of the washed away. And we rise out of that clean and new and ready. No, not so much. I think I'll just go put on that stuff over there on the bank after I get out of the water, put on the dirty clothes again. He said, you don't have to do that. Put your roots down deep into Christ. Take on this new life. Those things are gone. You don't have to. You don't have to. Does it mean we struggle with it? Sure. But we don't have to. We have a new life in him. And in him, we follow Christ. Him. Not the isms, not the baggage, not the presentations, not the slick talk. Him. Him. That's when we live the new life. What about your roots? What about your roots? Do you have assumptions or knowledge of Christ? Assumptions. I just, you know, read a few books. I've hung around with a few people. I've gone to church a few times. I got these assumptions. You know, it's good enough. It's close. Or do you know him? Because that means putting your roots deep into him. Hmm. Decision-making for life. How about that? Is your decision-making for life based on God's truth, human reasoning, worldly pressures, or evil spirits' influence? And unless you have your roots really deep in Christ, how would you know if an evil spirit is influencing you? I guarantee you, you don't. I just got hot. I just want to say these words. I just need to dump this truck of bad feelings on somebody. Is that from the Holy Spirit or... Hmm. Evil spirits influence. I just can't get past feeling this awful. I just... just hate it and I just think those you know if somebody just get it together somewhere in Washington or Oklahoma City or some someplace so you think they are in charge not Jesus who is head over all authority huh So when you make decisions, is it based on God's truth about what you do with your finances, about what you do with your attitude, about what you do with your feelings, about what you do with your time? Where where does that come in? Well, I deserve. That's right back where we go. It's usually Monday morning. We're pretty quick to get back to it. Because whatever I'm telling you right now, unless you hold on to this tight, we'll be gone by Wednesday, and you'll be right back doing exactly what you were doing last Wednesday before you heard any of this. And God does not forget. He does not weaken. He will not put it away. He will know. You heard words of truth, and you chose to 
disregard, to move on, to go back to the old ways, to listen to other influences, to fill your heart with the same stuff you've filled it with time and time before. And he said, I've got something else for you. Come be baptized, immersed in his truth. Put your roots deep into him. Don't listen to those other influences. Come away with something new. God's truth. How is your fruit production based on the health of your roots? The fruit is always influenced by the roots. So what kind of things are coming out of your life? What kind of things are good and gracious and beautiful? What kind of things are coming out of your life that builds people up in Christ, that makes this world a better place to live? Because you're here. That's your job. You're representing him on this planet. And your roots go deep into him, then your fruit will reflect it. If the fruit doesn't, we need to work on some roots and get deep into him. And just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to know Jesus. Thank you for sending him. Thank you for the hope that we have in him. Lord, these other influences and tendencies are there around us and way too often in us. I pray that you would point them out to us in ways we cannot pass over. Lord, I pray that you would bring mercy upon upon this group. Be gracious, Lord, on each one here. Lord, draw us nearer and nearer to you. I pray that knowing you would be primary in our thinking, in our time, use of our energy, even allowing our emotions to run one way or another. I pray that you, Lord, would be Lord in all those things and that we would get out of the way. Because whether we do or not, you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and we glorify you. And we are glad to be called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Amen.